0: Hello Hurdlers, Emily Abadi here bringing you episode 68 of Hurdle, a podcast that talks to everyone from entrepreneurs to top CEOs and athletes about how they've gotten through tough times, hurdles of sorts, by leaning into wellness. Today, I seriously can almost not believe I'm saying this. I am bringing you my conversation with the one, the only Jillian Michaels. Before I get into that, Quick shout out to my sponsor, Athletic Greens. Not only does it have 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, but it's also got 75 proven vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients to help support your body's nutritional needs. 75, crazy. They are offering hurdle listeners a special deal. It's twenty travel packs, a $79 value, absolutely free with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com hurdle to get yours today. All right, now let's talk about Jillian Michaels. First of all, recording this was absolutely surreal. I talk about that dream get list that I had right when I started the podcast at the very end of 2017 and Jillian was definitely on that original list and she literally welcomed me into her Malibu home with open arms. We all watched her for so many years on The Biggest Loser, and in today's episode, what I think is really awesome is Jillian and I talk about what life was like long before she made it to primetime on NBC. We really connected on the fact that we both used to be overweight as preteens and teenagers. Jillian weighed about 175 pounds at age 12. Crazy, I know. And she talks to me about how taking up karate, of all things, saved her life and helped her develop awesome confidence. We also talk about the roller coaster of emotions that came along with coming out. We talk about her big goal to be the best mom that she can be to her two kids. And she also fills me in on a lot of the fun projects that she's working on now. She has a podcast. She has an app. You can check all of the things out that she has going on over at JillianMichaels.com. You'll hear her say it in the episode today, but everything is digital and she is jumping in on that trend. I just think it's really awesome. I think that the conversation that I have with Jillian is one that she Doesn't have all the time, and so it's a really special that I can bring that to you guys, and I hope that you enjoy it. As always, at Hurdle Podcast, at Emily Abadi, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. If you have a hurdle moment of your own to share, or you just want to say hi, you can reach out to me. It's Emily at Hurdle.us over on email. Last but not least, I think there are some new hurdlers listening. Thanks to, drumroll, a pretty surreal feature (laughs) in the September issue of Shape Magazine. Uh, Shape's September issue is all about women who run the world. And uh, God, I have no words for this. I am one of the 15 ladies that they are highlighting. So huge thanks to Shape. I see my name next to other big amazing, strong women like Naomi Watts and Busy Phillips and Nikki Reed and my mind is blown. They call me a wellness amplifier. I was drastically overweight as a teenager and unhappy and felt so lost and now I have this opportunity to give back to you guys and I know that just by helping one person that all of this work, it's so worth it. All right, I'm going to stop rambling before I get super sappy and emotional over here. It's time to get to Jillian. With that, <laughs> let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Jillian Michaels. I feel like this woman needs no introduction. Oh, you're sweet. I do. I do. Jillian, tell the tell the hurdlers what you do. Uh,
1: what do I do? I am a I'm a health and fitness expert. Uh, <laughs> I never really know what exactly to say to that at this point, but um, I was a trainer. <laughs> and I think 25 years later, I'm really more of a businesswoman now. Yeah. In... Uh, the business of fitness in the business of fitness right
0: it's funny you know i'll i'll start with some flattery oh and I, perfect i'll, I'll
1: take some flattery
0: <laughs> when i started hurdle over a year and a half ago i made like a list of like the top 10 people i wanted to speak with mm-hmm. and you were in the top 10. Oh, she's like
1: you were really close <laughs> <You're> number 11 i
0: <laughs> say so I'm super amped to be sitting oh, here with you. And also you. it's it's obviously like no matter how old you get, you still like call your parents when like something exciting happens. <laughs> so I called my dad and I think the first question that he said, aside from being like, oh my God, this is so exciting, is so what's she doing now?
1: Oh God. So tell them, what are you doing now? I mean, digital stuff. It's all digital. Yeah. So when it comes to fitness, uh, it's all streaming platforms and apps and everything that you do and you create lives in that medium. Um, So we have one of the top fitness apps in the market, um, and thank you Apple, we're regularly featured by Apple, which has helped us get there tremendously. What's so cool about the app is that you essentially can utilize technology in a way that allows for personalization, right? Somebody can show up and tell me, hey, I'm a beginner, I have 30 minutes, I want a total body workout, and I have no equipment available. And there's over a thousand different exercises that are all designed to say, oh, okay, this requires no equipment. This is a beginner. This falls into the total body category. And even after that, you can say it was too hard. I want to swap this move. I want to swap that move. All my DVDs from previous years exist within the app. You can pick an app program. I mean, it basically allows me to be your personal trainer. Yeah. Same thing with meal plans. Like, I can turn around and say, all right, I've got vegan recipes, vegetarian recipes, pescatarian, omnivore, paleo, whatever you want. And you can say, I want to make it for 10. I want to make it for one. I can't stand kale. And it's all personalized to you and your needs based on your goals and the things you like, the things you don't. So you, you just never been able to do that before. Right. So with regard to fitness, I mean, that is the technology that I am focusing on and putting all of my efforts into as a trainer and I, I am a certified nutritionist. Um, but when it comes to business, we're very focused. And I say we, my business partner and I are very focused on growing other brands we believe in. So It could be anything from Flywheel, like we invested in Flywheel. Sold, we did great on that one. (laughs) We win some, we lose some. Um, But we're in everything from alkaline water with aqua hydrate to organic nitro cold brew coffee with Lucky Jack. Uh, It could be boutique fitness, it could be food, it could be a personality we believe in. Uh Um, And so we strategically invest in these brands like Alaya Naturals is uh, a mom, who started her own line of supplements because she was feeling, literally, she was feeling tired after having her second kid and had some autoimmune issues, started her own line of supplements and grew the company within six months to a million dollars in sales. And I was like, A, I love her, B, her products are like organic, all whole foods, love her brand story, love what she's doing, love the products, so we invested in of Naturals. Right. So it could be anything like that. Um, and to be truthful, that's more of what I do now. So, like, Jillian Michaels has the Jillian Michaels app. You want to train with me? Everything is there. Uh-huh. You want me to tell you what to eat? Everything is there. There's the streaming platform where you could do, you could train with me and other trainers. But for me personally, like, what's the legacy is investing in other things now than yeah. using what I built up till now to grow those other brands.
0: And it's fun to do something different and to, so to speak, flex different muscles.
1: Very much so, exactly. Like yeah. you, you get, you have to evolve, right? Like I still love what I do um, and I'm I'm good at it. Like I look at training and nutrition just like you would look at, let's say medicine or law. People subspecialize, right? Like if you came to me and said, oh, I need you to make me a faster running back i'd be like that now you need a (laughs) you need a, a sports specific coach for that or hey i'm playing a superhero i need to pack on 25 pounds in three months i'm not your girl my specialty is weight loss that's what i do it's arguable that i am one of the best if not the best at it and i would i would say i would challenge anyone to beat me at it i am excellent at it i've been doing it for years with the top registered dietitians and the top endocrinologists and that is what I do. With that said, you're like, okay, I'm really good at this. Now what? I mean, like I love it. I do it. It's all there if you wanna train with me. But that's the part where you're thinking like, oh, that's a that's a cool company or a cool brand or that's gonna be a really fun trend or people love this, but how can we do it in a way that's better for them, more accessible, more affordable? So whether it's coffee or alkaline water or boutique fitness or other trainers or supplementation, that stuff is kind of interesting to me totally. for all the reasons you said. Yeah. yeah. Flexing different muscles. Exactly.
0: All right. So, I mean, now you're an expert that helps people lose weight, but let's dial it back to where you come from. Right. And I was kind a of, fat kid. So yeah. <laughs> and, kind of, and kind of start from the beginning. So where are you from originally? I mean, we're sitting right now in Malibu. Yeah. Beautiful. Looking out of the water. Oh, you're sweet. Um...
1: Yeah. Life does not suck. I'm very lucky. Uh, I actually grew up in the Valley. Okay. So, um, for anybody that is not from California, it's the bridge and tunnel of Los Angeles. Uh, I'm from there. So I feel like I get to say that I was an overweight kid going through typical kid stuff, right? I I would say typical because everybody's family is dysfunctional to a certain degree. Um, and my parents were going through a divorce and I'd been very close with my grandmother, and she had passed away when I was ten. So I was twelve, probably like a hundred and seventy pounds at twelve. Yeah, and I'm short, obviously. And at that point, I was shorter, so I'm five three. I was five one mm-hmm. then, maybe five feet, and I'm like one seventeen now. Yeah. So that's a lot on me. Yeah. Um, and I was also gay, but didn't know it. I didn't, I didn't realize it at all, but other kids picked up on it. And it definitely was not the era of, you know, (laughs) half man, half woman signs on bathroom doors. Everyone hated gays. Gays were gross. I was homophobic for obvious reasons. Um, And I just was a super troubled kid. And my mom, thank God, had the foresight to get me into martial arts thinking like, hopefully this will empower her. It will give her an outlet you know, for all of her feelings and it'll put her in an environment where she's not bullied and she's not picked on where people are supportive. And it did, it did all of that and more. Um, and it took years for me to appreciate it as a means of weight loss. I wasn't really thinking of it like that, but I began to understand over time that When you feel strong physically, you feel stronger in every facet of your life. And it taught me self-respect. Right. And the more I began to respect myself, the less I went from loser to loner Uh because I didn't relate anymore. But everyone stopped picking on me. (laughs) And at that point, I was like, wait, why? What happened? Like, No one's calling me names in the hallway. No one's, you know, cornering me. And I realized that it was the way I carried myself because I was prepared for it Mm. Um, and thought of myself differently and thought of myself as more capable and uh, able to handle it. And that's at a very young age when I began to appreciate the power that fitness, health, wellness has across every area of our lives
0: follow-up question number one yeah when you were losing weight and you're so young at this point do you even kind of realize what's happening to your body because I think when and so spoiler alert um yeah. I was also drastically overweight as a kid That's So crazy. um Have I never see that in college I lost about 70 pounds
1: wow
0: and so I, I at that age you know when you come to terms with this idea that okay, I really need to lose weight. Right. You really understand like what needs to happen. But right. I feel like when you're 13 or 14 years old, you kind of probably realize the byproducts of that weight loss a little bit sooner than you're realizing like, oh, I'm just losing pounds here.
1: It took me a minute to lose it. Yeah. Um, I was three years. Okay. What so were you? I started to drop it around 15 and I was, cause I was still eating like crap. And then one day my martial arts instructor was just like, I can't with you. Like, you're just not getting it. Like it's not clicking until you are going to respect yourself and put more into this than I am. Cause this is not about me. This is your journey. Like, I'm not going to waste my time with you. I can help a million other people. So unless you're going to take this seriously, get out. And that was a real kind of rock bottom moment, but in the best way, because it was my safe place. It was, you know, it gave me confidence and being thrown out of there. I started thinking about what he said and I started taking it more seriously. Yeah. So I started at 15. By the time I was 17, I was, I was pretty fit. Um, not in the healthiest ways. I, you know, I didn't I didn't know everything I do now. So it was everything ridiculous from Susan Powder telling you fat makes you fat, eating nothing but processed carbs, to to artificial diet foods. Like I didn't really understand it, but I was actually eating less. So there's that. And I was moving more, Um, but probably about 17 is when I kind of had my braces off my skin had cleared up my had my nose done when I was 15 because it looked like a softball sitting in the center of my face holy mother of God uh, I mean I'd lost like 50 pounds at that point so probably 17 yeah and I was like oh okay get like that transformation
0: and I mean you mentioned this when you were talking about like I didn't know that I was gay and I was overweight and then you like <sighs> lost all this weight during this yeah. weight loss transformation is this one kind of when you came to fruition with Mm-mm. your sexuality I still, still not yet no no, no. Wow. i still
1: was like gays gross I hate gays ew i would never even known anyone that was do you
0: date anyone were you dating anyone uh boys, boys? yeah that's what exactly
1: I mean. yeah. yeah i had an older boyfriend yeah boys okay and i just never but like i knew something was wrong but i didn't know what
0: isn't that so sad that the
1: word that you used to describe that was wrong wrong as in i mean like you just knew something was not I thought boys were cute. I wanted to hang out with them. I loved their company. But then when it we get beyond that, I would just like panic. Totally. And I was like, what is wrong? Like, like literally, what is wrong with me? Where is that like, so into you, like totally turned on teenagers in the back of a car thing? Why is that not happening for me? Yeah. And I, I couldn't, and I remember thinking like, frigid 17 like I don't even know where I heard the word but I was like I must be frigid like something's wrong with me what is wrong with me didn't know what it was um and I I remember at that time Madonna had come out with justify my love <laughs> <laughs> you're so young I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't ping for you I don't even know if you were alive <laughs> but, like, it, it was a, it was a thing it was a huge thing at the time because she was the biggest celebrity in the world. I mean, other than, I don't know, maybe Michael Jackson. I I have no idea. Princess Diana, but I mean, massive. Yeah. And she has this video and there's like women with women and guys with guys. And it's rumored she has this girlfriend named Ingrid Casares and I worshipped her as a kid. So here was this woman that I worshipped, like sleeping with other women. And it, it was very confusing for me. Right. But it softened my, uh, what's the word? I, I think I just felt like gay was gross, period. Yeah. End of story. And seeing that and then Basic Instinct came out and again, I'm like 17, right? So there's Sharon Stone who's like this crazy hot billionaire, bisexual, happened to be a murderer, but we'll <laughs> put that aside. Um, and she made like being bisexual cool at the time. So all the girls in my little group were pretending to be bisexual and it allowed me to kind of that homophobia to go away. Right. Yeah. Cause now it's trendy. And then I think when I was 18, a girl came onto me at a party and it kissed me. And that that moment You knew. I was like, oh no. I knew right away. And I was not happy about it. Were you it. scared? I was so just beside myself. Yeah. Cause it, you know, again, it's it's a different time. Um, you know, now again, I'm 45, I'm out, I have two children, like but the reality is it was a very different time. Um, and it wasn't easy being gay in, in the public eye. Being gay in general was not easy. I think it's a little easier now. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, depending on where you live. But yeah, I just I remember thinking to myself, like, if there is a God, like this just can't be like Please no, just <laughs> no. And then I had all the transition of I'm not gay. It's just you, all of that. All I'm of that. I'm bisexual. All of it until one day I was like, oh, this it is just it. This is yeah, it. this is it. And I think that happened when I was 21, and I was dating someone for like seven years, and I was like, I just that's it. This is it. Yeah, 21 to 27, and it was you just you. It is what it is, and over time. I came to terms with it. But to this day, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with, um, and everybody goes about kind of, uh, living their life in different ways. Right. And you have different activists who treat the world differently. Like Malcolm X was very different than Martin Luther King. You know, you have people that are like marching in the streets and like we're queer and we're proud. Like to me, I don't know that that helps us get our mission across as much as just being relatable so i think that's great and someone's got to do it just like someone had to be malcolm x but for me i think there's also a lot of people have come up to me and said you know when my mom found out you were gay it was a lot easier for me because their mom might have worked out with me Mm -hmm. and it's like jillian michaels is gay i wasn't like in your face in the streets and both are necessary but i think i just felt like look you know what why do we need to be Like, I'm gay. I'm not proud of being gay. Why do we need to be so big on labels? Why do we, yeah, Yeah.
0: exactly. I just did this article for Runner's World about these four guys that are best friends and they're all, like, really big guys and they're pretty overweight and they're all runners. Wow. And it was really powerful. And one of them said to me when I was sitting down with him, he said, why do I need to be labeled as an overweight runner? Why can't people just look at me and see a runner?
1: Right. I'm just, that's exactly how I feel. Like, I'm not quite sure that the label or the labeling is helping us accomplish our mission of integration. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, what? why is this so different? Like a black mom, an Asian mom, a gay mom, a white mom. Like, well, I don't, I don't know why we need all the labels. Why can't you just be a mom? I have found that just existing without labels has been, has made it more manageable for people who are trying to understand what gay is. Yeah.
0: I want to rewind a second back yeah. to the weight loss thing. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I
1: don't get over here. <laughs> yeah, I have like a side question. Oh my and we God. Said, no, I,
0: li- I, I love here, I, but I think it's also interesting and all obviously like kind of interrelates with one another, right? You were going through this huge transformation and like trying to understand who you were and like embracing your body and yeah. learning what it was like to be confident, but still feeling like something else was off. Like there's so many things that play into this. God, yeah. yeah. When you lost weight, you said that you did realize that you became a little bit more confident. Yeah. What I think was interesting for me was to see how people then started to treat me a little bit differently.
1: Right. Exactly. Did you go through that? I did. But do you feel like you treated yourself differently first? I would
0: like to think so. Or I think that in developing about yourself. Exactly. Like I developed this confidence that I was able to handle myself in a different way. So then maybe I was approaching situations a little bit differently. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's like the way you carry yourself, the way you engage with people. So it's arguable that it's a chicken and an egg conversation. Mm. Um, But to this day, I still carry you know, you're when you go through that as a kid, you definitely relate more to the underdog. Oh yeah. You know, and it's interesting It's like my girlfriend was like the most popular girl in school and I, we just like don't, you know, she was in a sorority and I'm like I dropped out of college cuz I couldn't understand, like I literally could not relate to the, like the Greek life and you know, you you still carry that with you a little bit, but I think it makes for me personally, it makes me who I am. Like I relate more to the underdog. And I will fight for the underdog, and that's who I am. That's, the, that's how I built my business. That's mm-hmm. how I decided what I like without even realizing it, what I would specialize in when it comes to fitness is like making people like lean, mean, the most fit possible, the best version of themselves. So I did notice that people treated me differently, but I also think it's the way I handled these engagements or these interactions.
0: I mean, I think that's also what makes you so good at your specialty and makes you so good at what you do is that you can truly relate to where they're coming from. And I think it's funny. I mean, obviously people have watched you for years and years in past on the biggest loser and they see what could be seen as like this tough love. But the reality is without knowing your story, they don't truly understand that that tough love (laughs) is coming from probably a place where you're like, I wish I said these things to myself.
1: It's, Biggest Loser was a very different beast in that you had individuals that were literally killing themselves with food. So, you know, you're 300 pounds overweight. I mean, you're, you're going to die very early death, right? So you've got one chance of getting through to these people and it could be a week, it could be six weeks, it could be, if you're lucky, a couple of months, but then they go home into the environment that created this dynamic for them in the first place so i'm looking at it thinking what are the three things i need to happen before they go home for them to have any chance of keeping the weight off and people have crucified me and the show oh they put all their weight back on well 65 percent of them did 35 percent of them didn't mm. and if you look at the statistics five percent of people that lose weight keep it off and so but but no one knows that, right? They're just like, oh, let me attack the show because it's trendy to attack it. Losing weight is not cool right now. And it's politically incorrect to talk about. And I love being 100 pounds overweight or whatever it might be. You know, the reality is being overweight is not healthy. And for somebody to live their best life, you want them to have like good physical health. Disease is not fun in any way. So for me, I knew that number one, they needed to have that rock bottom moment that I had, where the pain of living the way you have been living is worse than the work and the fear associated with the change. Number two, you need them to take responsibility. Because if they're so busy being like, my mom, my dad, my this, my that, like, yes, in life, we've all been victims at one point or another. However, we continue these patterns and we victimize ourselves, right? It's, it's actually called a repetition compulsion where we play out the same abusive dynamic. If somebody cannot take responsibility for, yeah, all this bad shit happened to me, but I am choosing to go to that fridge and comfort myself with food or feel like I'm in control with food or whatever it might be, whatever the food is affording them. If they can't take responsibility for it, they're fundamentally incapable of changing it. And then the third thing is an accomplishment because the how-to of self-worth, um, positive self-image, uh, believing in your ability isn't words, right? You can I can tell you all day long, like, oh, no, 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 trust me, you can fly. <laughs> and you're like, really? Because I've never experienced it. <laughs> like in, Until literally you experience that in one way, no matter how small, right? Even if it's like, arguably, if you could, you know, you, you lift it up off the ground one foot, then you'd be like, holy shit, I can fly. Like, what else can I do? So you've got to take somebody and say like, look, you, you can do a push up on your hands and feet. You, you can run a mile. You, you were able to complete this workout or whatever it might be where you've shattered this notion of who they think they are and subsequently what they think they're capable of and opened up an infinity of possibility. And if those three things don't happen, there is no hope, none, zero in that environment like a great therapist working with you for years and years, yes, you've got a great shot, but we, we didn't have that, unfortunately. Um, and I sure wish we did, because I think our numbers would have been higher than 35% success rate.
0: quick break from today's episode to give my sponsor athletic greens a little bit of love guys one serving of athletic greens per day removes the need for any other supplements such as vitamins minerals antioxidants superfood blends adaptogen or hormone support you name it I will be the first person to admit I used to be a very big gummy vitamin person <laughs> because it felt like a treat. But now I have a new treat in Athletic Greens. They are offering hurdle listeners a special deal. It's 20 travel packs, a $79 value, absolutely free with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com hurdle to get yours today. No code necessary. Trust me, I promise you won't miss the gummy vitamins. (laughs) Let's get back to it. I love this idea of like you see that you're capable of doing X. So then what you, like you said, what else can, what else can you do? It's for me after losing the weight, I part of it for me was running. And so once I ran a marathon, I literally, in my mind, (laughs) thought stemming from the weight loss as well I'm literally capable of doing anything I set my mind to so I mean things like even like reaching out to your team and being like so does Jillian want to sit down with me sometimes people are like how do you get these people on the pod and it's like I asked man like I just want and obviously I mean there's a ton of work that goes into it and you've got to build your base before you can you've got to, I I don't know what's the there's some metaphor for like putting taking off the training wheels before you can like ride a motorcycle I don't know but I'm just saying like walk
1: run thank you you. crawl walk run totally get it you
0: have to like put in the foundation to get to where you want to be and to grow. But I just think it's like, I'm curious, once you realized what you were capable of after you lost the weight, what was the first thing, one of the first things that you thought, well, I did this, so I can do that?
1: God, that's so interesting. I got to think about that.
0: Because it was like, for me, that's like, once I question. once I learned how to run a mile, I was like, well, then I can run a 5K. And shoot, like, am I crazy enough to run a half marathon? And I'm going to run a marathon. Once I ran the marathon, I was like, man, I can do anything I set my mind to. A
1: marathon, literally, I mean, the guy that ran the first one dropped dead. So anyone that does it <laughs> gets mad respect for me. For years, I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm like on the sideline. Have you done a yes. half marathon? Oh, my God. I hate, I'm a terrible Not a runner. runner. Not a runner. Terrible runner. That's okay. I, like, I... I keep the most I think I've ever covered in my life and celebrated for hours was like five miles. I was <laughs> like, look at me, woo! Like I, I suck at running. I just, ugh. I give you like mad props because that really is such a
0: feat of discipline. Think about the things that you're disciplined about on the regular that so many people, you know, struggle with. Like, for me, running, I mean, some days it comes easy and sometimes it feels like Everest. But Ugh. for me, it's something yeah. that, like, it's my, it's, like, how I chill.
1: I get it. You I know? And I'm sure you've things understand. that are like that as well. I um, mean, what would have been the thing? I would tell you that probably my black belt. I went back at 21 because I stopped at around 18. And I also, I am such a cliche. It's, like, embarrassing. Uh but I had ADD and didn't realize it. I actually didn't even, same thing, like, same as being gay, I just wasn't, it wasn't common knowledge. So you don't have the skills to learn how to manage it, right? But when I was incredibly passionate about something, I could be hyper focused, which is how ADD is. When you're extremely passionate about something, it changes your brain chemistry and allows you to kind of like telescope in on something. But in college, you know, you've got all those general GEDs. You got to take all the this, that, whatever that I just couldn't, I couldn't get into. I could not. And high school was the same. Every year, summer school, math, chemistry, math, chemistry, every summer. Worst subject. Oh, could not, just couldn't do it. So that and I think the culture. That whole like Greek culture and frat parties, I didn't relate to.
0: Where were you at school? Um, Northridge. Okay.
1: At that point, I was training people during the day and I was bartending illegally at night with a fake ID. And I was making a ton of cash and I was really happy. And I just thought, you know what? This is not for me, like I'll find a different way. But, and college isn't for everybody. If I could have gone back, if I thought I could do it, like I wish I, I wish I would have, I regret not having a degree tremendously. It's just, sometimes it's just not for everyone.
0: This makes me think of, uh, I was listening to your podcast. We haven't even talked about that yet. I see it all the time on the chart oh, because I'm
1: looking hilarious.
0: at that t- that top 10 and I see your photo up there on the podcast. You said something that was like, there is no, what if there's only what is. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting because it's like, it's Ugh. being mature and being like, this is what it is now. Like yeah. this does. not feel like it's right for me. So what can I do now that I've come to terms with that?
1: That's my shrink, actually. Those are <laughs> <laughs> as I kind of negotiate my way through life. What if I had done this differently? I mean, there is no what if there's there's what it is, And that's what you're dealing with. So that's what you deal with. And I just wasn't I wasn't a student. These are the decisions I made at the time. And that is what is. So that is what you deal with
0: so when you get your black belt is this what really launches your like more deep interest in fitness i don't even
1: like fitness (laughs) i i am really good at it but i really don't like it think of it like this if i'm an architect i don't love my pencil but i do like creating uh like this incredible building or structure right for me I like helping people build better lives. It gives me meaning on a selfish level, right? I get to play some small part in that journey. So I feel more powerful and a little less helpless in the world because God, I hate that feeling. And I think we all do. So I get to make money doing something that gives me meaning, makes me feel like I'm of use. um, And I love that. Fitness is just a tool that I utilize to help people do it. Personally, you will never catch me in the gym being like, ugh, I love this so much. No, (laughs) I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, I literally cannot stand it. I never think to myself, like, I cannot wait to go and squat 100 pounds today. No, I dread it. But I feel so much better when it's done. I feel so much better being fit, being strong, feeling powerful. Um, being a role model for my kids, all of those different things that come along with being healthy. So I've learned how to master fitness in order to get what I want.
0: I think that's so interesting probably for the hurdlers to hear as well, because so many of them can probably relate to this idea that, oh, I hate working out. I don't feel like working out. I don't want to go to the gym. But it's that after, man.
1: It's the same thing, by the way, with your career, right? Or your relationship, like. Today I was like, oh my God, Monday. And I was just like looking down the barrel of all the crap that all the emails you got over the weekend, all the stuff you have to do. But I love what I do, but there's a reason it's called working out or hard work. Anything worth having is going to require work and sacrifice. And that's where it comes down to that. Like what's your why, right? Because it's the why that allows you to tolerate the how.
0: What a snippet. So you don't love fitness, but you still got into it. Yeah. So talk to me about like when you, because did you first become a certified trainer and then it went from there?
1: I was training for my black belt um, originally at 17. Mm -hmm. uh, And then ended up like, I don't know, I, I mean, I have a lot of theories on why I sabotaged it, but whatever, I was training for it at 17. Um, and then people would see me in the gym because I graduated high school early, not cause I'm brilliant, just uh, clearly because my birthday I fell on like a weird date. Uh, and they thought that I was a trainer. So people would come up to me. And at the time I think I was delivering, I swear to God, I think I was delivering pizza and barbecue food to people for like $8 an hour. And they would say like, how much do you charge? And of course at the time I was like, for, for what? Um, and I thought, like, oh, to, 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 like work, to work you out? Like, sure, I don't know, 15 bucks an hour? And my mom, thank God, was the voice of reason. And she's like, I think you need some sort of certification. <laughs> don't you need, like, a Girl Scout badge? Like, you need something for this, I'm sure of it. <laughs> and she paid for me to get my first little certification. Um, and I just started doing it at, at 17 and a half. And never thought anything of it. Just did it for fun without realizing... Oh, I could actually make a living doing this, or maybe I should. And so I'd do it during the day. And you know, by the time I was in my twenties, I think I was charging like $40 an hour. And I was bartending at night, and just like, I don't know, I fell, I fell into it and took it all for granted until the day that I decided I needed a real job, a responsible job, I guess yeah. you would say. I was uh I was like 23. And I ended up falling into the entertainment industry, thinking that that would be the responsible thing to do. And I kind of like David Geffened my way through the training program at ICM, like faking diplomas and all of that. And I actually became a motion picture packaging agent by the time I was 27. Um, and it's a very long story, but I, I hated it passionately and made terrible money and uh, ended up falling back back into fitness when I was 27 and
0: a half and you were remembering that you were making pretty good money training people as one off
1: I I think I didn't realize at the time that I could have made an a good living in fitness because I was like I need an adult job like what am I, I can't do this forever like I have to grow up um and I ended up getting caught in this like political nightmare between these two huge agents and make a very long story short. I was kind of the casualty of it and got fired. And I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I was like dead ass broke, literally like scraping change out of the sofa cushions to put gas in my car. I mean, just a mess like 27 thinking to myself, like, how did I end up here? I worked so hard and I have nothing to show for it. And I ended up working at a sports medicine facility, putting like, (laughs) you know, e-stem and uh, ice packs on patients, um, that were in physical therapy. Uh, and I was so embarrassed and just thinking to myself, like, I was emotional picture packaging it very LA, very young, very immature, very insecure. Um, but to make a long story short, after several months, waking up happy again for the first time in years. And at that point, I was like, all right, how can I do this? this is what I love, how can I make a living at it? And then I ultimately opened my own sports medicine facility by the time I was 29. And by the time I was 30, I was on an NBC show. And then the rest kind of became history.
0: <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about the progression there because you went there at first and you were so embarrassed and it ended up nope. eventually months and months and months later being something that you realized made you happy. Yeah. And I think there's a really big lesson in that. And that's so many times we start something and we give up so quickly because it just doesn't feel right.
1: It's like, it's the, uh, a bad day for your ego is a good day for your soul. Yeah. And it's like, I needed to have my ego put in check. Um, I needed to have kind of another, yet another rock bottom moment. And, um, it didn't JK Rowling. She was like, rock bottom is like the great plate is an excellent foundation to build your new life on top of. Yeah. But so, so basically, yeah, at 27, I it was just like, I spent three and a half years grinding like crazy to get here and this is the part where i'm like it's supposed to pay off and now i'm fired and blacklisted like literally could not get a job so I had no choice but to get back into fitness. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I've gone backwards. I can't believe I'm back where I started, which is exactly where I should have been to begin with.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting, especially now, obviously, how many million? You reach over like 100 million people annually?
1: Through the different platforms. That's yeah. intense. That's where What's what's interesting about it is that, yes, digital is is of the moment and everything's moving there. But there's a lot to be said for all forms of media. So for us, and I say us again, because it's like my business partner and the Jillian Michaels brand, which is so cheesy and gross, but it is what it is. Whether you're doing the cover of Women's Health in the UK for January New Year's, that's gonna hit how many people, right? Mm -hmm. Or you do a podcast that hits a little group, or you write a book that hits a group, or you have your DVDs that are old, but people still use them, or your app. You can touch people in all forms of media, And I think that's I think that's super important
0: it's totally important like, like your
1: podcast yeah I'm like yeah I'd love to do it I know exactly who who's your kid am my <laughs> the kid, I was like I know who that kid is she's great <laughs> I mean I'm only da- uh, like dating myself unfortunately but i I mean like this is exactly the point yeah. So it's It's being able to do something like this and then doing something like GMA and then writing a blog for your website. And that's kind of how you aggregate an audience nowadays.
0: They're all pieces to the puzzle. It's interesting. So obviously all of these hundred million people, they see you and when you look in the mirror, what is it that you see?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. Um, It is is very different for sure. Uh, To me, I think like just a mom, you know, struggling to kind of raise two good humans by setting a decent example for them. Um, a businesswoman that makes a lot of mistakes. Oh my god Ugh. but it's you know you fire enough arrows at the target one of them's gonna hit. but I think to myself like if people had any idea how many failures, how many setbacks in order to get one win, one. there's like a million <laughs> a million lost battles along the way. I'm also like a pretty big bleeding heart. I really am like a just because there's a part of me that was that underdog. Right. So whether it's like, all right, you know, today we're going to rescue dogs and tomorrow we're going to try to do something about this problem and something about that problem, because fundamentally you feel helpless. I just I think I'm more in touch with that feeling than most people, even though we all do feel that way. Um, and I struggle with that a lot. And I think that's how I fill up a lot of my day is trying to be a little, <laughs> a little less helpless in the world. I love that. I know that's
0: like a weird thing to love about you, but ugh, I think that's really that special. You're sweet. I,
1: I think I need to accept
0: that I'm helpless, but I just
1: refuse it. But, but it's like, good that no. you don't because think of all the no. good you're doing
0: because you don't accept that.
1: Some of it, dude, but some of it like.
0: Well, what about like the hundred, sta- the hundred mile challenge?
1: Okay, let's look at that.
0: Let's look at that. That is Tell them a, what that is.
1: Um, Okay. So, uh, it is a fundraiser that I'm doing for the UNHCR, which is the United Nations refugee agency, right? Oh my God. So there's like the number is like 70.8 million people across five continents that are quote displaced. So they have different labels, but basically all refugees in one way or another, but some are called refugees. Some aren't. Okay. Um, and you look at this global crisis, and it is the largest humanitarian crisis in human history. And I think it's real easy to just check out. And there are days when I am so overwhelmed and think, like, this is impossible. I think this is, this is an impossible problem to solve. And I think we just kind of check out and we focus on what we can focus on. Um, so I thought, all right, what can I do? what can I try to do? How can I try to help where you have this moral imperative? Not that you think you can make a difference, but you feel a moral imperative to try. And I ended up taking a trip to the Congo this year. And uh, I went to a refugee camp where the South Sudanese, who have, have been dealing with this insane civil war for the past six years, are running to the Congo. And it's very complicated, but you know, you're looking at uh, human beings in front of you, children that want to go to school. There's two schools that hold a hundred kids each. There's 9,000 people in this refugee settlement taking in hundreds a week, over half of which are kids and 200 of them can go to school. And mm-hmm. you know, this one kid looked at me, he's an orphan and he's like, there is no hope for me. Like I can't get an education. I can't, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I know you're thinking like, oh, we'll go pay for that kid, which by the way I would do, but you cannot because of the rules in place, right? Go in and like hand select children. So I basically came home and he was one of, I don't know, 50 stories I heard. And I was like, we they need money. Like the UNHCR knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They need money. The budget for just Congo is 220 million. They have 19 million. They have 9% of their funding for that one crisis. Um, And I just thought like, all right, we gotta raise awareness and educate people about what a refugee actually is. And at the same time, maybe we can at least build like a secondary school for this kid. And in the process of trying to raise $200,000, which is nothing, right, a drop in the bucket, it's really hard because it's not a popular cause. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you're like, God, and it makes me feel like, like, Jesus, really? Like it's that hard to raise $200,000? Holy shit. And it it makes you feel a little bit like inadequate, a little bit helpless again, but I'm like, no, we're gonna get to $200,000 and it's gonna do, it's gonna buy one thing in that place. If it's an ambulance or if it's another health clinic or if it's one more school, like it'll help A hundred more kids out of 70 million, it's still a hundred kids. So then how does the walking play into it? So the idea is we're going to walk a hundred miles, right? Anybody who pledges to do it over the month of July, because refugees walk literally hundreds of millions of miles a year to try to get to safety. Um, so it's raising awareness, right? It's walking in solidarity. And then it's asking friends, it's saying, I'm gonna walk hundred miles, will you sponsor me to do it? Right. In that no, don't pay for my shoes or whatever, but like, will you donate money um for the cause and to support me in supporting them? But yes, at any point you could, and you you literally would go to stepwithjillian.org or stepwithrefugees.org. It's all part of the UNHCR's website um to educate yourself. And I think Everybody has a cause that's important to them. And you know a lot of people, why don't you help people here? Why don't you do this? It's like, I do, I Mm -hmm. pick a card. I mean, it's like, I've worked with Stand Up to Cancer. I've worked with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation. I've worked with PETA to help animals. I mean, I do, and I think the point is you either help people or you don't. So you have something that's important to you. You focus on it, yes, but I mean, we can all do a little bit better. We can all not use plastic straws, even if the ocean isn't our particular cause, right? We can all do something.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think also, I mean, you're giving uh, the audience some advice on how they can give back. When you
1: when you think about <sighs>
0: advice that you've been offered yeah. in your career, Ugh. does anything stand out? Yeah,
1: one thing in particular. I'll try to be really quick with this, but number one is trust your gut. Because every massive error I've made that has played, a, has played a part, right? Where you're like, well, they know better. Or they're the producer, or they're the this, or they're whatever. They would know, they're the expert. Even though your gut's telling you it's not going to work. So you might have played along, but if you had fought for it, and you had trusted your gut and it worked, they'd have to work with you again anyway. So that one is massive. And the other one is, you can't micromanage, but you also can't step out of something and think like, oh, well, This is the lawyer they know better. Okay, sign on the line. Great, I'll sign. Uh Uh-uh. You got to know everything that's in that contract and have it explained to you because it's your business. Be your own advocate. Yeah. Yeah. Big, huge, massive. Those two things. Huge mistakes. Multi-million dollar potentially career-ending disasters over the last two decades had I just, like Jesus, known those two things and really focused on them.
0: All right, the last question. You have an opportunity right now to offer the Jillian that is overweight and a teenager and feeling lost and unsure and like shit is weird. Yeah. <laughs> One so piece romantic. of advice going through weird, the like hurdle that. moment, Jillian. Shit
1: is weird. Um, I, <laughs> what I do you would, tell her? I would. I would definitely tell her like, all of this is making you who you are, and that person is gonna be a good person that you can be proud of. So you know, grind it out and it's gonna pay off. Just like just like who you've become, like you'd never be the person you have become had you not been through everything that you went through. We're lucky, aren't we? Yeah. Very much so. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. Oh, no. God, thanks for, thanks for talking <laughs> to me. I'm glad I made the list. You
0: did. Please take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at Emily at Hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Hurdle Podcast. Jillian, where are all the places that they can find you?
1: I would just say like, go to JillianMichaels.com. Everything's there. So if you want... The podcast on health and fitness it's free advice. It's there. Books there. DVDs there. App there. It's all JillianMichaels.com. And at JillianMichaels.
0: Yeah. That's it. All right. Another hurdle conquered. (laughs) Catch you guys next time.